Yeah, welcome to One Tech Live episode 52. Um, great to be back. Um, thank you for joining us. If you are joining us live, then please write something in the comments. But I mean it like, please write something in like now. Um, if you're watching the recording, then shame on you. But I know busy life, other things to do, more important stuff to watch. Um, but you are going to miss out on some of the images that come up on the screen. You're going to miss out on seeing the guest live and be able to ask him questions or her questions or whoever they are. Um, so we do encourage you to try and take some time out of your busy life to join us live. But hey, if it's recording, then no problem at all. I'll try and describe anything that happens on screen so you can enjoy the podcast um, or go to YouTube to watch it. So first of all, um, allow me to mention uh, sponsors of Unchat Live, the Brighton Beard Company home of uh, some of the best beard and moustache grooming products in the world. Um, I'm still quite frankly shocked, I'm not gonna lie, and this isn't just a marketing thing because I wear it and use it, you might notice I have, um, but this bad boy here, I'm, I went on about it last week, it's still, can you get the name there? I'm not sure if my cam's that good, but um, yeah, sandalwood, elami, or elami, and lavender, and the elami apparently is what smells so good. I can't lie, it's beautiful. Uh, what is Ilimai here, you say? Well, it's some Filipino tree, I think, and the uh, oleo resin from it, I mean, smells incredible. Um, so don't forget, if you do go to um, the brightonbeercompany.co.uk, make sure you do use the code um, RCL15, and you will get 15% uh, off your uh, product, whether it's uh, a balm, there you go, there's a the little bad boys there, which smells so good. Um, you'll get 15% off, yeah, whether it's a beard balm, beard oil, a bag, brush, could be a present for somebody, Christmas coming up, um, you're going to be just the two of you, you're not allowed to have anyone else in your house, so why not spend the extra money on presents instead of dinner for people, so there you go. Thank you, sponsors. Um, running community, hello, I'm streaming apparently live in you as well, which is great with your 12,000 members. Um, I'm sure not all 12,000 of you made it tonight, but that's fair enough. That's okay as long as some of you are here because um, it's what One Shot Live is all about, being able to reach the therapists, but also the runners and maybe bringing the two together, which I think is probably a key factor in reducing the high incidence of running-related injury, getting you guys talking the same language. So welcome, you guys. Um, thanks for joining us again. Last week's guest, Alice Sanvita. Well, I got a record. I'm not going to lie. I'm sorry to the other 50 guests, but I got a record number of emails um, from runners um, asking for, how do I get a good therapist? How do I get one of these evidence-based therapists who are going to actually give me the right information? And, and that was entertaining. It was good. Um, I did get a few disconcerted therapists going, oh, my God, my life is over. Um, there's there's nothing I can do. I've got to throw it all away. And I'm like, no, calm down. The fact that you've actually emailed me instead of just shutting the doors is great. That's what Alice Sanvito does. She manages to educate you without making you just shut the doors out of pure fear. We're not telling you to throw your whole career away. And we're not telling you you've been lying to patients. You've just got to evolve a bit. The same way as we no longer drown witches and say if they drown and they're innocent that's all kind of moved on well science does the same thing so we evolve and there's nothing wrong with it and the healthiest therapist is one who says you know what it's changed since five years ago i know i used to say that i maybe used to say it last year but i'm keeping up to date and i want to give the best service so thank you everybody who did me email in i do reply to everybody as fast as i can and um, if i did miss something from somebody then make sure you um kind of ping me again and i will get back to you straight away tonight's guest was mentioned actually on alice sanvito last whenever it was two weeks ago three weeks ago um because well let's face it myself and alice were i think we both would regard him as the forefather which makes him sound a bit old the godfather of putting the evidence back into soft tissue therapy um 
those of you who are who, who know him longer than probably six or seven years ago maybe a bit less and um, probably know saveyourself.ca as in .ca canada where all the great pain people come from let's face it apart from war um but yeah so another canadian speaking sense um which is actually quite topical at this point in time with politics and things that are going on but yeah another great sensible canadian um and um save yourself i want to talk to him about that I only know kind of what happened, but yeah, now it's painscience.com. But painscience.com is still the number one place where I will send therapists to if I feel they've got a sense of humor and they like a little bit of information in your face. But I'm with you because he is an ex massage therapist um, and he's been there, he's done that. Uh, I don't know anybody who self depreciates more than him, which is always nice to hear from people who've been there and been through it. So, um, without further ado, I will bring up uh, the one and only, you'll get a little countdown now, um, Paul Ingram. Ah, Paul Ingram, I hear you say, Matt, you've got it wrong. Well, we'll talk about that in a sec. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Good. Thank you so name. much for joining us. Yes, Paul Ingram. Paul Ingram. I know people are saying it's not, but it is, isn't it? Yeah, we just drop we drop the center bit. We blur it out. Not every family with that spelling does that, though. We just learned this recently. We met we met another family of Ingrams, and they pronounce it Ingraham, which really startled us. It's weird. It's not just I guess people can just they can just say things however they want. I guess. And you've taken this n equals one as fact of you, and just kind of gone with them. That yeah. confuses me. Surely you did a little bit more research than just there's another family who told you you were wrong. You didn't, did you? <laughs> Never occurred to me. Check. <laughs> it reminds me, I must admit, I did tweet you about that. And I'm so conscious, and I'm going to be conscious tonight. We're not going to, well, I don't think so. Paul, is our intention to bash massage therapists tonight? No, it's never my intention to bash massage therapists tonight. There you go. He said that didn't look like it was trained at all. We're not going to. I did get two emails, or two and a half. Where people were saying, oh, no. one of them was like, really? Oh, no, here we go again. You lot, here we go, just slagging off. But one of them did make me laugh because it said, you should check out the science. And I forwarded that to you. And you went, oh, that's a novel idea. I never thought of that, the science. Yeah. Yeah. And she gave me a link to somebody who was apparently linking massage with a kind of a neurological effect, as if it kind of affects the nervous system, I thought. And I, I wasn't as sarcastic to her. And it turned out she'd had a bad day. And maybe she's watching tonight. So, um, But there was a couple more who reacted like that. You, you... <laughs> You get hate mail. Do you still get hate mail? I think I've read in the past that you get your fair share. I I, I don't actually. Um, and that's that's worth, I mean, it's worth saying that I used to and I don't now. Something's changed. Uh, my audience is 10 times larger than it was 10 years ago, if not even more than that. And, and yet I have a tiny fraction of the hate mail that I used to get. I, my reputation was built on, on being a snarky defender of science and in reality, I'm not that snarky. I'm more like whimsical, full of dad jokes. And it, there's there's an element of my personality that can I can get sassy. But you know, you compare me to someone like Adam Meekins, and I am a shy wallflower by comparison. And this is true. So I've gotten way more diplomatic over the years, way more, uh, and. And I love massage and it comes out 
you know, in, in spite of the fact that I have lots of critical things to say, things that sound negative, um, the reality is, is that painscience.com is heavily promoting massage in many, many ways. And by far the most common reaction to my content is where do I find a good massage therapist? Not um, why are you bashing massage? It just makes people want good massage. So you're welcome, massage therapist. <laughs> it's a pretty large advertising campaign for the profession. No, it's, 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 I think the biggest, there has been, I'm glad, first of all, I'm glad that you're not getting as much hate mail and that it changed and that's great. It's yeah, significant. It really has. Yeah. I think actually that's credit to you as well. I think other people who try and do what you do get hate mail and probably credit to you because they do it in a little bit more capital letters, shouty, shouty, always in your face type way. Um, you mm -hmm. certainly don't do that, but it's getting in the UK, in my experience, it's getting therapists to even bother going to the website to like that, mm -hmm. that, that tweet I got. You know, they didn't even bother checking you out or checking out yeah. the website. They automatically assumed, here's another yeah. one. Because I suppose we have got in our industry a fair few people who are shouting, you know, from the rooftops and getting a bit kind of in your face and calling people stupid sure. for believing in muscle knots and, you know, trigger points well, and stuff. There like are that. a lot of skeptics now. There didn't used to be. And there are now. Um, although, it, it, and I, I shout out to my former student colleagues, when I was doing my training here in Canada, I wasn't a skeptic yet. And yet about a third of my class was. And, uh, you know, there, there they were um, fighting battles with pseudoscience right there in my school. And I didn't have much to think or say about it at the time. Um, so, you know, there's been skepticism in the profession for a long time. There's always been um, uh, factions in the profession, but it's exploded and there are a lot more skeptics and some of them are pretty rude. <laughs> That's a good word for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes they are. And, and I'm fine with that, but I understand how it can be a problem for a lot of people, especially if they haven't encountered it before. It can be frustrating. One of the lovely things where I, that was one of my best moments of last year's Run Check Life conference where I managed to get people like Derek Griffin, I'm sure you're familiar with, who online oh, yeah. sound, particularly two or three years ago, he sounded quite robotic and kind of, it's all about pain science, never ever have massage, you're ridiculous, you're ridiculous, I'm a rhino, I can get a 2.30 marathon, I've never had a massage in my life. It was a bit like that. And then we met him face to face and bingo, you realise, lovely human being. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the limit, isn't it, of social media? And you're not, you've been on and off social media a few times, haven't you? You've been there quite heavy talking yeah, and then and you go. pulled away. But I've never seen you as one of these people who will quite happily just go in for an argument and kind of just for the fun of it. Unless I no, use I those posts. It, yeah, actually. you avoid it. That's yeah. a healthy thing. Right. The other thing that puts you at the top of my list, near the top of my list, just in case there's anyone else listening who's going to be offended by that, is I do like your fascination and the amount of detail and research you put into trigger points. Um, because for me, that definitely, it's caused confusion over the years, I must admit, but I thought it's Paul Ingram. Mm -hmm. He must know what he's talking about. So, but it has, and I'm glad we've got some opportunity to talk about it because I've always used your word. I think it was your, your phrase, structuralism. Is that down to you? Or did you get it from mm -hmm. somewhere else? Your... I think I coined it, yeah. Yeah, structuralism. It's kind of easy. It rolls off the tongue easier than mesodermalism or whatever Diane Jacobs says. But it's structuralism stuck with me. And um, and I've used it the whole time. And I give you credit. And I think it's fantastic and, and everything. But then you've got this trigger point thing, which to me makes me always think, I don't know whether you get this from other therapists. Why is he 
banging on about trigger points though isn't that just uh, something else under the skin that is really unreliable and probably isn't there and it's just a throwback how and why do you still defend trigger points if that's not too large a question well i don't know that i do defend trigger points um i i write about them a lot i have a lot to say about them uh, but if anything, I see myself as a champion of the skeptical perspective. I just try to make it a nuanced skeptical perspective. I don't, um, I'm not dismissive. Um, maybe what you're asking is, why am I not convinced, like some skeptics are, that it's a dead horse that we're beating? That's exactly uh, what I meant to ask, yes. Yeah, and it, it's simple. I just think it's a legitimate ongoing controversy. I think there's enough... There's enough interesting subject matter there that we shouldn't close the subject. And there's a phenomenon there. People have sore spots, people hurt, people have chronic widespread pain with many, many possible explanations. And uh, as long as there's a phenomenon that needs explaining, uh, for now, for quite a while to come probably, trigger points are gonna be one possible explanation. Uh, the idea of trigger points is worth examining. Uh, whether it is what we, you know, have what we used to think it was, whether whether a trigger point, whether the nature of the beast is what we thought 25 years ago, that's another matter. That's where you get down into the weeds. But I keep it alive as a subject because. Uh, pain is a thing because sore spots are a thing. I'm, I, I was thinking before, uh, before we started here that I should lead with something that I've literally never written down about trigger points, which is really saying something <laughs> because I've written down a lot of words about <laughs> trigger <Yes>. points, <laughs> but I don't think I've ever said this. And I think it, I think it needs saying, um, I think that a lot of people who lean towards skepticism about what trigger points are, maybe don't have much personal experience with what it feels like this kind of pain is like. I have a lot of it. It's the reason I'm a massage therapist. It's, uh, it's the reason that I write about this stuff. I am a triggery guy. I am full of sore spots and always have been. And medium intensity massage has always been blissful for me. And, and tends to be very much focused on finding those perfect spots, that sweet spot that just feels like, oh yeah, more. Um, that, that experience, I've been having that my whole, my whole life. And I think there are quite a few people out there who literally just don't know what that feels like. They haven't had the personal anecdotes. They haven't had those personal experiences, Never mind with their clients, if they're therapists. Um, they haven't felt it themselves. And it's hard to take things seriously uh, when you haven't experienced them. Uh, but boy, when you have, it gets a lot easier. <laughs> so, you know, I know something's going on. I know the phenomenon from lots of personal experience as well as professional and, and academic experience. Um, and to this day, I still don't know what causes that pain. All I've got is a mess of, a mess of theories to constantly review that's interesting yes of course i've put it together now I, you know i was aware of your your um persistent pain 
And I've just thought, yeah, if you find it's very difficult, if you're actually experiencing that and you get some. So do you have people do trigger point therapy on you? Or do you manage to do it yourself? Or do you? Yeah. Trigger, mm -hmm. yeah? And obviously, yeah, it's maybe that's the well, factor then. I wonder if that is. Yeah, maybe I should have guessed that. Maybe because you suffer from it, then that's why you're so open to it. Yeah. And I think that there's something particularly about this type of pain um, to to feel like you have an intense you know, tooth aching intensity of aching that seems like it's in a muscle. I think there are people who don't know what that's like mm -hmm. and they don't know what it's like to rub it and go, Oh, thank God. They don't know mm -hmm. that experience. And so they don't have the same intensity of wondering what's going on. Um, and that's fine. That's fair. You know, we all have different experiences and, you know, the pain experts of the world cannot all have all the pains so that they can take them all seriously. Uh, but I, you know, I've wondered, I've wondered a lot over the years how much um, this has to do with what people have actually felt themselves. And I've, you know, there's no way, to, there's no way to know, there's no way to prove it. But I have a feeling that a lot of, a lot of experts who have been at some point dismissive of the idea of trigger points or muscle pain, maybe they don't have that much experience with it. It's possible. Mm -hmm. I should add here that when you say like you've written a lot of words on there, um, yeah, you certainly have. And anybody who out there who is listening to this podcast who hasn't taken advantage um, of not just the free version, because you get something like, I don't know, 20,000 words for free. And then eventually it ties you into if you'd like to read the full version of this article and you're thinking, oh, here we go. It's going to be a fortune. But it's not a fortune at all. It's like a no brainer. Um, so you can and also the audio version, which is still available. Uh, people still for that not for that book not for the trigger points mm -hmm. yeah is, no, it, is that being I, I only have audio versions of a couple of my books and several articles okay. uh, one audio version is of a major huge article about this topic uh, uh, there's okay. there's a bunch of pages on my website about that's this and you know i can quickly summarize there's a book and that's at slash TPS, painscience.com slash TPS. That's where the book is. And there's a free okay. intro and then the rest is behind a paywall. Brilliant. But then there's a very important series of articles about skepticism about trigger points where I you know, really delve into the controversies and the concerns about this topic. There's a whole series of those and I'm, we'll refer to, uh, to some of them as we chat. And, and they're read by yourself, which is great because I'm not sure if many other people have actually done that, but I've got the audio lot and it's still in my car. And now and again, um, it, I've, I've come out of my Led Zeppelin kind of playlist and suddenly it's stretching and it's you there. And it's like, well, this is fantastic. I'm ready for a little bit of uh, Paul, in Paul Ingram now. So no, I love, I mean, I love audio listening to things. I think it's such a popular way of listening to things these days with podcasts and audible yeah. and all that but yeah so your audio ones i definitely push to people as well um, because people have some yeah. more, more time but yeah i, know, I just, I just finished re-recording the trigger point doubts article it's, oh, really? i've got oh, a fantastic. i got a brand spank a new copy of it that's thoroughly updated from the old one so it's a, a big leap forward and of course it is part of i think the well it's the contextual effect is when you're reading something you don't get everything from you do you it's your or for me it's your accent it's your intonation and that's not just in terms of the comedy value it's the terms of the non-threatening thing that's why I sell to people so much because I'm yeah. so wary of <laughs> it's not threatening you can't yeah. go oh this yeah. guy's getting my nerves you're just like oh my god here he goes again saying what an idiot is himself yeah, it's, and... it's easier it's easier to sound nice than it is to write nice <laughs> I've it's noticed true. that many times 
but it's um but yeah i can't help um yeah just saying to people if you haven't checked it out i know a lot of my colleagues have and that's what unites a lot of me and the people i hang around with we're all very much fans of you so you mentioned some people haven't or they don't know what it's like to get trigger point relief does that mean that a lot of people are thinking they've got trigger points but they're not actually trigger points can we be clear on some things which are probably not trigger points I, I think that there are people who have never had the subjective experience of an aching pain that feels like it's in a muscle. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying that it is, I'm saying that that subjective impression. Um, uh, whereas for other people, I think it's really common. Um, I remember very clearly having a client that I worked with for years and I didn't really understand why she was regular or what she was getting out of the treatments because she seemed to be indestructible. Nothing was ever sensitive. There were no there were no sore spots. She never thought that right there was just exactly what she needed. Um, she never guided me a little bit left or a little bit right to scratch that itch. And she was an extreme example of a class of patients that's relatively rare in massage therapy. I think that people who have that kind of, you know, sturdy, indestructible body <laughs> that doesn't seem to experience a lot of pain, I don't think they seek out a lot of massage therapy. Um, but there were a few. And, uh, and I always thought it was so interesting how some people are incredibly intolerant of pressure, uh, very low um, threshold of pain, push on them just a little bit and they're really hurting and others are relatively invincible. Um, it's just an interesting difference between people. So I think that there are probably quite a few people out there who just, they just don't know what that phenomenon feels like. Whereas uh, probably at least a third of the population, if not two thirds, um, knows exactly what it feels like. And some of us a lot more than others. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because, I mean, it's definitely one of the go to. I mean, in England, in the UK, and forgive me, I don't know what the kind of. Oh, I do know that massage is like a three year course, isn't it? Canada, it's got one of the most stringent, kind of hardest qualifications to Used pass. Used to be. Used to yeah, be. Not it? anymore. Not anymore. Yeah over here one of the problems we have is it's not regulated at all and you could have a weekend yeah. course three month course whatever and they yeah. call it level five if they want to there's even level sixes around by some companies Ooh. they just call it level six because it's like spinal tap isn't it? he's got to 11. it's better than level five <laughs> exactly obviously. that's exactly what it is yeah. but they tend to just chuck in whatever they're into at the time and it will depend on what yeah. that particular school is, is 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 a fan of but most massage therapists here the one thing they get when they go from level three to level four is trigger points oh at last we're allowed to do that and and i think most master therapists use it because well, that's the tricky thing do they use it because they've been told i'm very interested by this whole paradilia thing is that pronunciation because that's something which mm -hmm. which i think is very difficult and the fact that if we're if we're looking around an area which is painful then we're already looking for a lump aren't we we're looking for something mm -hmm. and as soon as we find it we're convinced yeah. that we're now going to make that go away. And then we start this process of tell me when it gets to a seven, I'm not going to move now. And then it's going to go down. It's gonna, and you're telling the patient, tell me when it's gone down, it will go down. It might take a minute. And then the patient, guess what? They go, it's gone down. That's where I have a struggle because the therapist is wanting it to go down. The patient's wanting it to go down. Mm. So, I mean, is that the same kind of way of, using trigger points in, in Canada as well? Is that whole maintaining it and waiting for the nervous system to relax? Is that yeah. the basis behind it? Yeah, that's, that's, that's usually referred to as the ischemic pressure method, squishing the blood, squishing the tissue fluids, 
and the oxygenation out of the putative trigger point. Exactly. And the, the pareidolia thing is huge. And there's yeah. a great story for this, which, um, um, I mean, it's my go-to story for this. We tend, we tend to see what we expect to see. Wishful thinking, selective perception. Um, and so there's a, there's a, a treatment story. Massage therapist working on a patient, finds a spot she thinks is a trigger point, starts working on it, starts pushing it around, starts pressing on it, asking the patient what uh, the sensitivity level is. And he says, well, it's, it's not very sensitive because you've found my pacemaker. <laughs> so it's, this is a powerful thing. We can really, really warp our own perceptions. And if you if you go in expecting to find bumps and lumps in people's tissues, um, you're going to find them, whether they're there or not, or whether they have anything to do with trigger points or not. And that force is so powerful that it can make a pacemaker seem like uh, a trigger point. So, you know, massage therapists uh, are credited with magic hands a lot and assumed to have very sophisticated uh, palpative skills. Um, let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say a lot of them do have that. But it's pretty clear <laughs> that it can, it can go awry. <laughs> it, can, it can screw up. And, you know, false positives is normal. It's it, it, diagnosis of all kinds of things throughout medicine is very difficult. Lots of things are subtle and hard to detect. Ask a radiologist about false positives. They happen all the time, goes with the territory. Um, but trigger points is kind of a perfect storm for it. You've, um, you've got this mythical thing that is impossible to see, difficult to feel, with lots and lots of other things that could feel quite similar that are just normal anatomy. I mean, wow, it's like if you wanted to design a situation to create false positives, you couldn't do a better job. So I think there's an awful lot of massage therapists out there who are poking at bits, calling it a trigger point, and it's probably not. Mm -hmm. Happens all the time. But it's worth doing just in case you do fall on one of these ones, which does give relief to somebody <laughs> is that basically what you're saying yeah well you want to you you know you want to have open lines of communication with uh, with your patients so you can find out whether or not you're pushing on an implant <laughs> you've got to kiss it's a important. few pacemakers to marry i'm not sure what the expression is going to be but yeah um okay yeah no you, there's something to that you have to you really do like let, let's just let's give Let's give a trigger point therapist the benefit of the doubt, assume that they're you know, super good listener and very interested in their patient's experience and very evidence-based. They're still gonna have false positives. In their earnest and knowledgeable exploration, they're still going to come across stuff they're not sure of and get it wrong sometimes. That's mm -hmm. just part of the job. Um, and you have to accept that in you know, assuming that it's worthwhile to find the real one, um, then you, you just got to put up with those false positives it's going to happen you do i'm pretty sure on on painscience.com on this particular article you have got like a little checklist where it's either likely to be a trigger point or not haven't you there's like a bullet point of to make sure you're not just pushing on something where it's yeah there there are various clues and signals that that can that can tell you but for the average person and for say a runner let's try to you know to, to be of service to runners here on a running podcast 
Um, it, really, the only thing that really matters is the subjective sensation. It's what it feels like to the patient. That's mm -hmm. far and away the most important thing. Um, and for and it just basically comes down to quality of pain. Uh, if you stick a finger in your eye and push hard, it's going to hurt in a bad way. You don't want that kind of pain. Um, if if it is a sweet ache um, or maybe a burning ache, then you're more likely to be on target. If it is in tissue that obviously seems to be muscular, then you can be relatively sure. You know, if it's just a, a a broad, if it's in the center of your glutes, you can be pretty sure that you're only pressing on fat and muscle and uh, and no, you know, nothing else that would mislead you. Not that there aren't, there could be trigger points in places with more confusing anatomy, but it's just, you know, as a general rule of thumb, if you push on tissue that seems to pretty much just be muscle and it's quite sore and the spot an inch away isn't, but that spot is, and it's kind of a sweet ache, yeah, there's a fair to midland chance you're on a trigger point there whatever that is and using trigger point therapy you could have a beneficial effect long term or short term or is it there's no guarantees <laughs> there is no guarantee <laughs> this is and you know this is a really important point does it does it work to rub it does that matter for self-treatment it really doesn't matter very much as long as you don't get too obsessive and too aggressive, you don't waste too much time on it. There's very little harm in exploring, and there is certainly the potential for benefit. So, you know, it's low risk and potentially high reward. That said, and I really, really want to emphasize this, I have seen a lot of people get way too obsessed with trying to hunt down their own trigger points and harm themselves. Um, I had a guy come in once with a, um, an open wound on the top of his traps. He had rubbed the skin off, trying to treat what he believed was a trigger point. Talk about false positives. You know what he was rubbing? The top of his shoulder blade. There's a little bump there. It's quite, it's quite a, a, a well-known spot if, uh, if your traps aren't too huge. It's an easy promontory of bone to find. And he had convinced himself that that was a trigger point. And if there is harm, in people self-treating for trigger points and believing that trigger points are the cause of their problems, this is it. It's getting obsessed and pursuing them uh, overzealously. Moderation in all things. And it, as long as the approach is sane and relatively tame, especially at first, especially if you're new to it, um, you're gonna be fine. Um, but I just really want to caution people not to get too obsessed with something. Trigger points are a very interesting phenomenon, and they may explain a lot of common pain problems, but there's a lot more in the world of pain. And uh, it's it's nuts to to go crazy chasing trigger points when, for all you know, you know there are 90 other possible explanations for what you're experiencing. Yeah, no, it's worth mentioning because if one thing that runners are, they they're quite obsessive and they will, yeah, rub the skin. I know, shoulder right? <laughs> yeah. But it's no, but for, what about talk to me about kind of like trigger point maps and kind of like referred pain and because some therapists really kind of delve into that seriously and they're convinced that 
I know you've had your own experiences in the past where you've, I think there's a story with your father-in-law where you've been sorted out his shoulder at one kind of afternoon tea or something. And that was like, wow, that's brilliant. But can people get a bit carried away chasing maps and thinking, well, that's, I've got to press here to make that go away. And yeah, it's another form of getting carried away. Um, the the big problem with the trigger point charts is that I, I I think it gets people overly focused on on a technical challenge when it's not a technical challenge. Um, you don't need to know anatomy to do this. You just need to be able to poke your own muscles and find the spots that are sore. There are there do seem to be locations in the body that uh, often have this kind of sensitivity. Um, and some of them are pretty reliable go-to spots for massage therapists. I call these the perfect spots. Um, and uh, one that's, you know, particularly relevant, you know, for example, for runners is uh, in the top third of the shin muscle, the tibialis anterior, the meaty part of your shin. A lot of people think of the shin as a bony place, but there's actually quite a thick muscle there. And the top third of the muscle, there is a spot that is almost always sensitive uh, in people and you could call it a trigger point and so that's you know that's quite predictable but uh, overall there's an immense amount of variation and if you get overly focused on trying to track down a spot that you see on a chart um, you could easily be missing what matters to you which is a spot three inches away <laughs> I mean, so I, I, I don't focus on charts at all. And a really common problem with my book is that uh, customers will, will ask me, where are the charts? Mm. Why don't you have charts? Where's the charts? <laughs> well, if you want charts, the internet, the internet will provide. <laughs> there's, there's plenty of those. Um, I consider it kind of a, you know, teach a person to fish and, um, instead of catching them a fish thing. It's better, it's much better to have good operating principles uh, than to try to chase uh, those spots on those charts. Very good. Great answer. Well done. <laughs> um, right, I've got some questions coming through. The reason I'm looking down is normally we have comments coming up in my Belive TV studio, but I have no comments here, but I do have them on my phone. So when I'm looking down, I'm not just checking my own emails while you're talking. I'm actually looking at comments from people in here. So we have, um, we have confirmation that we are in fact. Oh no, there's, yeah, we've got loads of people watching. There's nearly a hundred people good. watching. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Hi, everyone. Oh, did we expect any less? But I'm afraid I can't bring their faces or comments up onto here because of bloody Belive TV. I don't know what the reason is. But anyway, um, Matt Scarsbrook, who's part of the Massage Collective we were talking off air about, part of a very progressive yeah. forward thinking um, uh, massage kind of think tank, which is um, in the UK. He's asked something I wanted to ask, actually. Um, he's interested on the kind of crossover between trigger points and then dry needling, because often dry needling is based on these locations. Um, he mentioned, um, do you have a view on the work by Jan Domerholt? Mm -hmm. Is that a name that rings a bell with you? Doesn't sure. to me. Oh, great. Um, so there you go. There's the question. Does Paul have a view on the work that Jan Domerholt does on TRP or trigger points, specifically with needling? Do you have a comment? Yeah. Um, well, uh, his work is uh, extensive, so I don't have one sweeping opinion that refers to all of it. Um, he is a needling advocate, and I am not. And the basic reason that I'm not is because I think it's just a little too aggressive and a little too potentially harmful 
for what amounts to a highly experimental um, therapy. I mean, this is basically experimental medicine. I don't see the justification for using needles, which involves, you know, clearly involves more risk um, when you might be just as effective with much safer, not more effective. I'm not, I'm not claim, making any claims about efficacy, just a more conservative approach with your uh, thumbs. That's so I, I, I don't like needling. I, I think it's really a problem because it, it seems like there's absolutely no clear understanding of the mechanism. There's no, you know, I've, I've read, as far as I know, I've read pretty much every description there is of why one would do this. Why would you stick an acupuncture needle in a sensitive spot? Um, and they're inconsistent, they're murky, uh, they're incomplete. We don't even know what a trigger point is. So we can't really have a coherent treatment mechanism uh, for needling. And it's very clear that needling produces a really strong sensory experience. Uh, shocker. Imagine sticking a needle in a sensitive spot. Why would that produce a strong sensory experience? And depending on how it is contextualized by the therapist and the patient together, always a team in that, that experience, that intense experience, can be great um, as an experience, as a sensory experience. You can walk away from that going, wow, that was amazing. Uh, or you can be traumatized by it. And I hear from those people. So I really wanted to any therapists who are listening, I'm talking to you. They write to me. They don't tell you. They tell their friends about their horrible experience with needling. When they go back to you, if they go at all, they try really hard to put a positive spin on it. And we've got many, many different ways of doing that. We've got all kinds of uh, psychological tricks for um, making a bad situation seem a little better for the respected therapist. We want to please the therapist. Um, I've done it. I am a fierce advocate for evidence-based medicine. And I have been one-on-one -on -one with a healthcare pre professional and I have, succumbed to the temptation to placate them uh, while I'm thinking this is nonsense. <laughs> I'm still, the words that come out of my, out of my mouth are placatory. Um, it's an amazing phenomenon. I think we, you know, clinicians tend to underestimate it. So I hear from people who have been wrecked by the sensory experience of needling. They found it in, in traumatically intense. Uh, so that's a thing <laughs> it's, and, and you don't want that. You don't want to be flirting with that for an experimental therapy when more conservative approaches could be just as effective. And then, and then there's the evidence, which is not great. You know, the, the efficacy evidence basically is at best weak sauce dams needling with faint praise. Um, so that's just, you know, you put all that together and I'm just like, yeah, I'm not a fan. And I know Dahmer Holt is, and I respect a lot of his work. Uh, and I'd love to sit down and have a beer with him sometime and hash it out about needling, but he's a fan. I am not. Okay. Great answer there. Um, right, Matt. So there you go. Um, I hope that's helped. If you want to do a follow-up and obviously type something in the comments, I will keep an eye on my phone. Um, Anna Maria. Um, your second wife, Matt, has come with a very interesting question as well. And she says, um, Paul, 
do you think the effectiveness if there is of trigger point um, compression may be due to the fact that we expose the person to a noxious stimulus within the safe and comforting environment of your treatment room and with your therapeutic relationship and therefore the experience of pain changes subsequently did you get that okay yes <laughs> yes <laughs> was that a leading question Anna marie She's one of your biggest fans. <laughs> she just wanted to hear you that, speak and say her name. Could you say Anna Maria Mazzieri? Anna Maria Mazzieri. There you go. I'll record that for you. Make a little soundbite for you, Anna Maria. There you go. Um, so the answer yeah. to that was yes. It's Fantastic. Yes. It, it is. It is one. It is one possible mechanism for what's going on. And and I would argue that that is actually going on. That what you described that mechanism is basically universal to all interventions. Um, that essentially anything we do uh, in the therapeutic alliance, as it's called, mm -hmm. anything we do to try to help people, that is going on. The um, oh, I see the host has joined the podcast. That's good to see. I'm uh, welcome, Matt. <laughs> I just got a message flashing on my screen, quite large. Host has joined podcast. Oh right, yeah. Hi, how are you doing? I'm Matt. <laughs> That's a relief. I'm. <laughs> Welcome to the party. How bizarre. Uh, where was I? What was I saying? That just totally derailed me. You were talking about the therapeutic alliance and how that's present in all forms right. of the treatments we give. And, it's going um, on. It's going on in every every single interaction. And specifically what, what you're talking about there, I call sensation enhanced placebo. So uh, placebo is an expectation effect or a meaning effect. It's when we have a change in our subjective experience due to something we believe or think or feel or all of the above, um, uh, as well as all kinds of other things. Placebo is very messy concept. Um, strong sensations really give, they give a lot of meaning. Strong sensations can be uh, potent in terms of what they mean to people. So if you want to generate a powerful placebo, uh, do it with sensation. Uh, nothing says, I'm doing something very important to your body, like that incredibly potent, deep, sweet ache. Um, the more intense it is, the stronger that meaning is. And if it crosses the line into, okay, now the meaning of this is that you're trying to kill me, if it gets too strong, then it all suddenly backfires. But right up to that threshold, the strong mm -hmm. sensation is communicating the meaning, I'm helping you, this is good for you. That's what everyone there wants to believe. And they will believe it as persistently and strongly as they possibly can. And it, the sensation really helps. So yes. Was the longer version of yes no that's great very interesting but so there so there you're forming that barrier then that boundary where a needle i mean even if the person believes the needle is really going to help them and they're convinced and they've read about it mm -hmm. yep. you're still basically breaking someone's skin with a foreign object and it's mm. you can convince yourself but the idea this is going to help is kind of weakened yeah have you I ever mean, received it, it, it have you had dry needle uh, what's your yes, experience I have. And yeah. how did that go? Did uh, you have a clear head when you had it? Or were you already thinking this is going to work? Yeah, this was a fair while ago. It was pretty early. And I found it very, I, I found it borderline too intense. I, mm. I found it cringy. And I, I kept feeling like um, I want, I want 80% of this. 
<laughs> this is great, but could we make the needle 20% less sharp right. or deep or something? Um, yeah, that was, yeah. And I, I actually, with one of the needles, I freaked out a bit. Oh, really? I got it. I had a little bit of a basovagal reaction, got a bit, mm -hmm. um, and backed away from it. So, yeah. I've had it a few times, and they do a little flicky thing on top, and it's like, yeah, you're mm -hmm. not sure about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, it is very relevant to runners. I think that an awful lot of runners are still very much sold into acupuncture slash dry needling because it is that attraction of this is so invasive. This is so like a third party doing something to me. It's got to be good. It is that whole yeah. thing we, we know about it. So I think an awful lot of runners do run very quickly to that sort of treatment because of the severity rather than addressing things like training load nutrition sleep and all the other factors which we know are probably play a far larger part in why you're in pain and why you're not recovering and that sort of stuff so it is very relevant um when i was full-time clinician with runners i think i spent probably 50 percent of the time saying okay i appreciate your interest in acupuncture and you're going to this person but let's look at something else first it might take a bit longer but it's a tricky one it's very relevant um i've got a question here from sarah jones um, who is saying, do you advocate treating latent and active trigger points, or would you concentrate on the active ones? As you mentioned, there are common areas of tenderness that most people have anyway. Do you differentiate much between latent and active? No, I don't sweat that distinction very much. And the the reason is because we have sore spots everywhere that are probably not pathological. Um, with a latent tr trigger point, uh, with the idea of a latent trigger point, you've got, um, you, you, you run into the problem of, well, where, how sensitive does it have to be with how much pressure to confirm that it's a latent trigger point and not simply a normal sore spot? And there, literally any spot in your body you push hard enough, you're going to feel pain. Mm -hmm. So somewhere between that extreme and the idea of an active trigger point, which hurts without even pushing on it, um, somewhere between that extreme there's a transition from i'm normal anatomy i'm not a trigger point i'm just sore when you push on me hard enough to yeah this is an actual this is abnormal this is abnormally sensitive but where's that line i mean i no one can tell you that no one knows that so it's not that i it's not that i don't think that there are you know i, I actually think that the concept of a latent trigger point is uh, is perfectly useful uh, a spot that is sensitive, but you don't notice until you push on it. I, I, I have those. Um, and I'm pretty sure that some of them are excessively sensitive. It's not, it's not normal. Um, but I don't worry about it. it. It just, I just look for sore spots and it doesn't really matter whether or not they're active or latent. I'm looking for excessive sensitivity in spots where it really shouldn't be excessively sensitive okay there you go sarah i hope that's a good answer if you've got some follow-up i mean sarah she does she has followed up while you were talking saying i do use dry needling but i tend to leave the needles in for 10 to 15 minutes i find it's accepted much more than just waiting for the twitch response it's not for everyone i can't cope with too many needles in one go on myself so i try not to overdo it with my clients it's not my first line of treatment though which i suppose is yeah it's all about working with yeah. the individual, isn't it? If you're trying everything else sure. and putting the more likely factors in place. Because if you do find yeah, I, someone who responds well to it, who are we to say, well, stop doing it? 
you know. Well, and, and you, you, you roll these things out. You roll out increasingly intense treatment options over time. You don't start with the most intense and aggressive approach. Uh, if, you, if there's a progression towards uh, needling, that makes sense. If if you've already been, you know, you had a couple of experiences with very intense massage that was nevertheless okay for the patient and somewhat helpful, uh, well, then maybe it's more uh, legitimate to move on. It, it really, it's, it's all about informed consent. Any of these treatments, any trigger point therapy that I can think of, any of the, any of the popular trigger point therapies are perfectly fine as long as you frame them as experimental therapy. If you, uh, if you present it like a proven cure-all, um, you're, that's, that's not good. Don't do that. Uh, but, but if you say to the patient, this is experimental and there are risks, these are the risks, these are the potential benefits. This is why we think it might work. Do you want to take those risks, these costs for that possible benefit? Um, if you do that, if you frame it as experimental therapy, which it is, um, great. Uh, informed consent can make up for a lot of deficiencies in our ignorance as healthcare professionals. And it's really, it's why it's there, uh, because we don't know everything. And in healthcare, we're always trying to help people with problems we don't fully understand, with treatments that aren't we don't fully understand. Uh, so we, we got to acknowledge that. We got to tell people what what we're dealing with. Um, I've never in my life, well, I shouldn't say that was a hyperbole. I take that back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not, not for a long time have I done trigger point therapy on someone and just said, here, let's do this. It'll work. And it's always framed as let's try this. It might work because we think this might be what's going on and here are the risks. Always. Yeah which is where most therapists, especially looking after runners, because there's particularly little black and white with runners and trying to help them out. So most strategies adopted working with runners in pain has got to start with that famous sentence, let's try this out. There's nothing mm. embarrassing about it at all, is there? Um, right, some lots of questions flooding through now. The more you talk, <laughs> no obviously, the more and it's just coming from all of them. How would you I frame think... what is, oh, go on, no, you go. I was, I was just going to say, if you if you uh, if you measured our conversation in terms of what percentage of my book have we covered, we're up to about two, two, maybe three <laughs> percent. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, but it's good. What my aim with this, hopefully, is not just introduce you to people who know about you, but obviously to people who, who don't know about you. And I'm hopefully by seeing you as well. So do if you listen to the podcast, please have a go on YouTube because you'll see what a nice bloke he's as well. Very handsome, very dashing. Um, fantastic head of hair um good facial hair as well by a big company so yeah but it's worth checking him out <laughs> it's awfully think... thin though it's, don't say it's, that it looks good on the lights the camera it's fine yeah, it's your choice though <laughs> um <laughs> so with runners in mind specifically just the last five minutes or so do you think runners? i'm going to say some things that runners are really into mm -hmm. and i want to say whether you think there might be a crossover with maybe they're hitting some trigger points or something or should they not really be doing it or is it just maybe change what they do? Foam rolling, for example, is something runners love. They're very big on that. They won't go and do any calf raises or anything at a gym, but they will ro roll their IT bands. Well, let's not say ITB, because they will roll their quads or something until tears come out of their eyes. Benefits in that, some runners swear by it. Could there be a crossover between that and hitting some kind of trigger point? Or is it? There could totally be a little crossover. 
if I did a Venn diagram of it, I'd say they overlap in maybe 20, maybe 30%. Um, I mean, it's just imprecise self-massage, right? I mean, yeah. that's all it is. It's just a blunt uh, massage tool. And since we don't have any idea what kind of stimulation um, uh, has what kind of effects on whatever the hell trigger points are, which by the way, we haven't gotten into at all. <laughs> None of that, that, all my preparation was in that. Uh, we haven't touched on it. Um, whatever the hell they are, you're, you're steamrolling it. And whether you're doing it with the very tippy tip of your tiniest pointiest finger or a needle or a foam steamroller, you're, you're pushing on it, you're causing sensation. And we don't know what kind of stimulation and sensation does the trick. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's possible. It's possible that a certain amount of steamrolling just catches a few trigger points. Okay, fair. One thing I did mean to ask you, and you've got at least two minutes to answer, what is a trigger point? <laughs> <laughs> well, the conventional wisdom is that it is a tiny cramp is a microscopic cramp in muscle tissue and there are several other ideas here i have a list right here i prepared yeah, go for it. this yeah go for it. uh it's it's just a normal spasm it's a spot that's starving for oxygen it's a sticky spot adhesions scarred maybe fascial distortions it's a pinched nerve might be just you know referred pain of peripheral nerve origin it's all about the muscle spindles could be the muscle spindles maybe I, something 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 about muscle spindles uh it's starving for attention is an idea sensory under stimulation is uh, is a fairly believe it or not a fairly well-developed hypothesis uh it's on fire it's just an inflamed spot don't know why just is uh it's an illusion it's just basically <laughs> like focused sensitization and sensitization being a very specific neurological concept so it could be that could just be an illusion or a hallucination uh it's worn out it's muscle tissue that's just exhausted um and you got to feel it somewhere right okay so there's a uh no one has a clue we mm. don't we do not know which of those if any of them are true but those are some of the ideas that have been thrown out over the years and the tiny cramp hypothesis is the dominant one interesting continue i can't <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all i got <laughs> but why, why is that one? continue about the tiny cramp hypothesis yeah or... why is that coming out on top yeah uh tradition janet travell um the big red books extremely okay. influential dr janet travell was was just she just had a, an outsized impact uh you know and and so most working massage therapists today um are assuming when they do trigger point therapy work that they're 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 doing what janet travell told them to do and they're doing it because of the reasons that she said to do it um so that that's the main reason uh, that's not to say that there is not you know there is some science supporting it it's not complete it's not uh, completely persuasive some of the experts listening some of my colleagues and very good friends will be snorting right now and saying there is no it's not even close to being enough i would say it's more it's in the middle it's not enough it's not nothing either um we we have found some interesting clues about what's going on in the tissues around these sensitive spots um, and and uh, how seriously you take that that evidence is is a matter for experts to uh, shout at each other about on social media that's right. <laughs> brilliant <laughs>
this is why I didn't start off the show going, what are they? Because I knew I would just get a list of about 12 things and then, or maybe it's none of them. And that's like, well, where do we go from here then? So I, I actually prefer the other 95% of the content where you were. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we, and we just don't know. And that, I mean, it's irritating, but it's a reality that we have to deal with all the time with all kinds of pain problems. Um, we, we usually don't know what's going on. And, uh, and that's a, just an uncertainty that we, uh, we we have to get comfortable with. Final question to you, because the other thing I'm thinking, which run, runners are famous for putting up with pain if they think that something is being broken down. They're still told on a regular basis, there's scar tissue here, I'm going to break that down my elbow, it might hurt, but I need yeah. to get rid of this. Come back for eight weeks, it's going to take eight weeks to break it yeah. down. That yeah. putting up with pain and trigger points, I mean, do you use the one to 10 scale and kind of advise patients you don't want to go over this or what's the guide? When I'm treating a trigger point? Or if you are telling somebody else- Or advising someone. Or advising, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I the line I don't want to cross, it doesn't have anything to do with, with making the trigger point therapy effective particularly. It's more just about harm reduction. Has he just frozen for me? It was like the meaning of life and then it froze on harm reduction. I got up mm -hmm. to harm reduction. I went up to harm reduction and then you froze. You did a max headroom. Oh yeah. Yeah, I saw a little bit of a freeze there. Um, I, I limit the amount of the intensity of sen sensation just as a harm reduction technique, just to reduce the risk. I also suspect that it probably is more effective to not hurt people too badly. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the, here's an important distinction for, for runners who like intense therapy. Um, it's not too intense if you like it, if you actually like it. Now, be careful about liking misery. <laughs> there are people, I think, who are so into experiencing therapy intensely that they can actually learn to appreciate and like too much. But for the most part, it's just a matter of, do you like it? If you don't like it, if it's a challenge, if you're gritting your teeth, if you think that your sympathetic nervous system is being activated, you're too much. Um, but what I what I want to validate is that it's okay to want intensity. It just shouldn't be harmful levels of pain. Okay, good answer. Yeah. So this is why massage stairs in particular, you need to be looking at the patient's toes and kind of they might be going, that's fine, that's fine, do it, do it. But if the rest of the body is going in a shot, then yeah, they're probably just biting the bullet and trying to put up with it because they believe it's going to be more effective. Mm -hmm. Okay, well look, oh dear, 9.04, time is beating us. Let me just check on my phone again. Um, da, 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 da. We've got a load of stuff there from Matt Scarsbrook, but he's had a go already tonight. Oh, Derek Griffin's in the house. I'll have to read this one out. Hey, Derek, how hey, you Derek. doing? Uh, Derek, do I read it first or do it? No, let's, not, let's put it out there, shall we? Derek Griffin, oh, are you ready for this? I'm going to give this to you now at 9.04. Derek Griffin says, <laughs> I haven't read it yet. Trigger point therapy, in inverted commas, implies trigger points are a discrete entity. Is it therapy? Yes. Is there other more documented and robust mechanisms that are likely at play? Brackets other than trigger points, close brackets. Yes, too. I think we'd agree with that, wouldn't we? Sure. So far? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, and then he's given a link. Oh, Derek, it's all about links with you, isn't it? I'll get into another link. 
Yeah, no, I think we've been saying that there's other more documented and robust mechanisms, but it's one of those things, isn't it? Just because it doesn't, we haven't got evidence for you, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, I'm not going to click on that link, Derek, because I'll probably lose the comments, but there is a link there which we'll be looking at afterwards. Matt comes back and says, I largely agree, Derek, just checking what you have in mind that addresses the discrete entity bit in the more documented side of things. That's the bit I haven't seen anything particularly convincing. I think we'll let Matt and uh, Derek have a little chat out there with that one. It sounds like it's a conversation more in text format. I think so. Yeah. But James I can Morgan, riff oh, yeah. a tiny bit off mm. of that. I'll keep it brief because I know we're at the, mm. the bitter end here. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, trigger point therapy, and particularly the, 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 the term myofascial pain syndrome, implies a mechanism which we don't know to be true. I'm not sure that that's nearly as true of the words trigger point. Um, I don't. I think trigger point is pretty neutral. I think it could be used to describe just a phenomenon, just mm. sensitive spot. Whereas myofascial pain syndrome is much more like, okay, now you're saying that it's myofascial in nature, and we don't actually know that. So mm -hmm. I have more of a complaint with myofascial pain syndrome as far as being a misleading term, and. I, I'm I'm more okay with trigger point because it can, as far as I'm concerned, it's just it's just a label for a phenomenon, and yeah, you could call it a you could call it a a, a Smurf. It doesn't matter. It's just it's a thing that we experience. Yeah, I like the way you you constantly refer to that that you're not bothered by the name and muscle knot. You're not really bothered by either, are you? Not hmm? the word knot doesn't bother you either, is it? Muscle knot? No, for the same reason. I mean, yeah. I, I accept and embrace it as a colloquial term that refers yeah. to a thing that. People feel um, it, it. Muscle knot does tend to imply mechanism, which we mm. don't know. But that's fine. It's it's colloquial, right? I mean, it's just you yeah. know, it's um, we, the only people using the the concept of muscle knot seriously are you know, it's fine. They're they're not they're not clinicians. They're not experts. Whatever. I think it's healthy to have a little bit of quick discussion about and say what the implications are, but to not to dwell on it too much. There's more important things to do, but it's good to bring it up and to question it. I think that's part of the critical thinking and what people get from going to your pages. Right. Um, yeah, sadly, it is 9.07. Um, was there anything else which you really wanted me to ask? You've got to be a paper blue <laughs> tacked up to your computer. No, no, I wasn't, I wasn't dying to, to talk about anything specific. <laughs> I mean, I want to, I, I, we're out of time, so I don't know that we can do it any, any more than we've done, but I mean, I want to help runners. And, um, you know, there, there are specific applications of this information for runners that we haven't really gotten into. And um, I've suffered from most of the common running injuries at some point, and at least half of those, I feel like I have gotten benefit from uh, trigger point therapy, either doing it to myself or letting someone else do it. And so I would encourage runners to do that, uh, to pursue that just with the cautions that we've discussed, to not overdo it, not get overly obsessed with it. It's just one thing to try. And as soon as you start spending too much time and energy and money, on it as soon as you start suffering for it too much if you're not getting an obvious benefit and back off move on lots of other ideas to consider and the good thing the great thing about your writings whether it's the book or the audio and the website and everything you don't have to be a clinician to get benefit from it do you you seem to purposely no. write in a way that the layman can appreciate and learn from yeah it, it on the one hand there's a ton to learn if you want to optimize your efforts and that's why my book is there uh, but I have uh, a self-help introduction, um, painscience.com slash tpintro, 
TP intro, short article. And honestly, I think that information is good enough for 90% of people. And um, one of the problems with the trigger point therapy industry is the delusions of grandeur and the belief that something very sophisticated and technical is going on, which is impossible because we don't know enough. There's not enough knowledge of what the hell is going on for it to be advanced and technical. And um, there, there are reasons to see a massage therapist, but, um, to a surprising degree, this is really just about rubbing sore spots and anybody can do it. Um, the, you know, the top, the number one reason to go see a professional is if your sore spot is in a place you can't reach, <laughs> not because they have special knowledge, but because they have special reach. <laughs> so, it's a good point. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm not, I, I, I do not have a lot of faith in the uh, advanced skills of trigger point therapists. It's, this really does come down to just, just stimulate the sore spot and see if that helps. Good point. Very good. Excellent. So yeah, run is definitely a uh, check out painscience.com. Honestly, um, it's why I send people to it is written away, which is addictive. It's easy to read. You can get, um, results from it pretty immediately if you start putting the advice into effect and you can save a lot of money believe me by not um going over the top with certain other things which are well just face it being proved wrong let alone low evidence base so um there we go paul it's been an absolute pleasure i'm, I'm sorry it's gone so quickly um it always there goes would quickly. be a lot more so it does a, isn't it there's always so much to back it up it doesn't um, have to be the last time there can be a part two well, I do hope so. Um, and runners, um, yeah, I think even though it hasn't been specifically for runners, it's about pain and runners are in pain and runners need to get over pain and then they can't train if they're in too much pain. So it's all very much connected. Um, and it is, I mean, a lot of runners, I'm bigging up massage a lot. I have been doing a, quite a few podcasts this week and last and having guests like Paul and Alice uh, Sanvito talking about massage related things. I still think there's a lot of benefits there for runners. It's just about understanding what's happening to them maybe more importantly at the moment what's not happening to you but still plenty of benefits we haven't bashed massage at all have we paul no i don't think so um, whatsoever I think, I, I think i think just a few seconds ago i came the closest to it when i said that i'm not all that impressed by the advancedness of trigger point therapy uh, that's probably the closest i came to it. yeah but the advancedness of everything in lots of fields i mean mass there's swedish massage and everything that's been dumped on top of that is really just pressing a bit harder all these other forms of massage really are just I think these days we know it's more about the flow, the connection, the rhythm, the sensory feedback to the brain, the everything you've kind of talked about. So brilliant. Right. Well, I'm looking forward to listening to back myself <clears throat> to check out all the fantastic information you've given us. What um, are you up to? I mean, it's a pretty crap question. The environment <laughs> we live in, but what are you up to the rest of the year? Well, Matt, I'm going into self-isolation. Um, yeah, I'm avoiding the rest of the world. I'm working on my... I'm working on my next book. Uh, oh, you and, are? Well, that's uh, good. Tell us about that. Well, you know, I got 10 already. So one one more. What's what's one more when you've already written 10? Um, the next one's pro probably, I still haven't completely decided. I'm working on a couple of possibilities, but it's it's probably going to be Achilles tendonitis. So okay. right up runner's alleys. Um, and that's, uh, I. it's a, yet another one that I've had. I, I think a little while ago, I calculated you know, which, what percentage of my books are about problems that I've had myself? And it was like 80. 
<laughs> I've had too many problems apparently. Um, so yeah, I've, I've fought with Achilles tendonitis off and on for years. So that um, it's currently, it's a fairly, uh, the, the, the article is coming along nicely and I'm upgrading it and soon it'll be a book. Fantastic. And the great thing as well, I must mention as well, and one reason I love going back to your website frequently is it's updated. There's stuff there which is you started probably before 2000. It's being updated like last month. Right. It's incredible. You're continuously right. in there. Yeah. And the, the Trigger Point Doubts article in particular, and for as an example, it, for years, it was a smaller, more limited thing. And then about two years ago, it got a huge upgrade. And I, so many people that I've talked to in the last two years, I've said, have you read my doubts article? Oh, yeah, I read it five years ago. No, well, you haven't. You got to reread it <laughs> because it's it's all new. It's a whole new no, thing. Doubt. No. Yeah. So, no, I never stop. You don't, do you? Bless you. Thank you so much. Right, Paul, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you down thanks, to the lobby. Man. If you can hang around, then give me a minute sure. just to sign off and then I'll come down and say thank you to you properly, whatever that means. But I will come down and say thank you to you. All right. So that's it, everybody. Thank thanks, you very man. much. Uh, Paul's going to say goodbye. Um, check out painscience.com. Thanks, Paul. Cheers. Right. There we go, people. Um, I'm, I was put off by not being able to bring your fantastic faces up on the screen. Um, and be able to show the comments. I didn't like having to look down to my phone to ask Paul questions, so it wasn't the most fluid. Um, I'm sorry I didn't get to some of your questions. Um, I'm gonna have to look it back actually to actually feel happy with that, but I'm pretty confident that take everything I said out and listen to everything Paul said, and it should still be a fantastic episode. We've got, uh, before I let you go, um, Run Chat Live, less than three weeks now. Um, tickets are obviously on sale um simultaneous translation to spanish in case there's anybody joined us i've had a lot of people following particularly youtube seems to be getting popular now but if you are spanish hola como estamos um all for you so please spanish listeners um if you do want to get uh translation for the 10 presenters then um it's all on therapistlearning.com if you go to therapistlearning com and then type in run chat live in the courses you will see you get an option there for the spanish link or for the english link so the whole thing has been translated into spanish you can read about the speakers and the presentations um, if you're in chile you're gonna have to get up at like one in the morning or something but that's fine because my translator's in chile my producer's in chile so you'll be in good company um, there is a limit there's going to be a cap because of bandwidth and zoom so i really can't have more um, than a certain amount of people. I think there's about 92 left and then I'm just gonna have to say no. So I will warn people when it is getting low, low. At the moment, you're still okay. But just to let you know, there will be a cutoff point, okay? Right, that's about it for now. Um, hope you all well. I hope this has been enjoyable. I've enjoyed myself. Um, I'm, I feel like I've forgotten about you because I couldn't bring your pictures up, but I hope you felt involved as well and a lot of great questions as always. Um, I'm not sure who the next guest is. I'm still trying to get all the conference sorted out, but Keep in touch on social media, Run Chat Live, and um, I will let you know. Take care and thanks again for joining us. You're listening to Run Chat Live podcast, putting the evidence back into running injury and performance.